Health is wealth. Natural medicine, natural solutions. Health is wealth with Dr. Mike on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 1059 The Region, and this is Health is Wealth with Dr. Mike Carozza. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez. Good morning, Dr. Mike. We begin this morning with questions from our listeners. Are you all set to go? I'm ready when you are, Tina. Okay, here we are. First question comes from Linda in Vaughn. She is a mom of a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. She asks, what vitamins and supplements do you suggest for my children to boost their immune systems, especially as they head back to school? All right. Well, this is a great question. I get it commonly in practice, and so I want to, I want to talk about this first of all. Um, what, 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 you can't make recommendations over the radio, of course. You'd have to run this uh, by your healthcare professional, whether it's a naturopath, a medical doctor, functional medicine practitioner, whoever. Um, so anything we say over the air, we're not recommending, we're not prescribing, and of course there have to be therapeutic, but we're going to do it for purposes of uh, education. You never want to, so first and foremost, you never want to boost a child's immune system. That whole term is not very, um, doesn't go over very well, especially as of late. Boosting an immune system is something we definitely don't want to do. Um, and I'm going to use an example. If you have a child with an autoimmune disease, boosting the immune system is just going to turn on the autoimmune disease to make it actually even worse. That's number one. Number two, you want to support the immune system. It's a better term. And just to make it very clear, supporting the immune system to combat illness is exactly what we want to do. And when you're dealing with cold and flu season, which we deal with quite well, it's all about prevention. So simple things that I think a lot of people are not thinking about is the diet and nutrition. So the first thing you can do to support one's immune system, especially children, once they go back to school, is we're going to talk about lifestyle because these are often things that are not really spoken about. So A, get kids to bed early. Why? Why is sleeping so important? Because the body heals while it sleeps. So while we sleep as humans, we heal. So it's very important to get to bed early. And I see this in my own kids, and I'm sure every mom out there can relate to this. When you put your child to bed late, you keep them up late, they actually are going to wake up with a little bit of the sniffles, they'll be a little groggy, and it's actually their immune system that's not really up to par. So having said that, Getting kids to bed early, it's been um, pretty much, it's an obvious one, but it's very important. Number two, cut the sugars. Sugar is an immune suppressant. So sugars are actually, and I'm talking about artificial sugars now, Tina. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about natural occurring sugars that are coming from fruits and honey and maple syrup. These are natural occurring sugars. The synthetic and... um, the, you know, the processed sugars and the refined sugars that we see today in society, which are filled and are, there's a lot of cereals that are filled with uh, sugars, there's a lot of snacks that are filled with sugars. You really want to control this. I think it's very necessary to control the amount of sugars that are going into our children, especially as it comes down to their immune system being in optimal ranges. So that's the second point. So first we talk about sleep, then we talk about sugar. The next thing is fruits and vegetables. We need to go back 
to eating nutrient-dense foods. This is our biggest problem. Everything's processed, it's more convenient, and so here we are with the snacking again and back. So if it's not sugar, it's refined and it's processed, and we're moving away from the fruits and veggies. And so what we can do is we can get our vitamins from fruits and vegetables. So some of our moms out there are saying, well, my kid doesn't like fruits and vegetables. Well, this is a perfect time to start introducing and stick to what the kids like to eat. So it's not like try to give them things that they actually hate and they can't stand, but let's try to give them the things that they love and give them more of it. And if it's green and nice in color, there's, there's, a, there's a beautiful array of colors, then it's going to be easier, okay? Mm-hmm. So those are pretty much the three best points I can give. Now, these reminders could apply to the young and the young at heart for sure. Okay, Dr. Mike, to recap, get plenty of sleep, avoid processed sugars, eat lots of fruits and vegetables. They are so plentiful at this time of year. We really should take advantage. But you said something very interesting there, that this is about supporting our immune system and not boosting it. Talk about that a little bit more, if you could. Absolutely, because... You know, when you're dealing with prevention and you're dealing with a lot of youngsters and even in the elderly, what we want to do is these are the vulnerable populations. We want to make sure that their immune system is supported. We don't want to boost anybody's immune system because it's going to be, that's actually, if you say that, that's actually something that can potentiate or actually cause detriment to that individual, depending on their immunocompromisation. But the other important factor is, there are certain vitamins and minerals that are going to be essential to actually have that if we can't get from fruits and vegetables. And once we get inside and spend more time inside, we're talking about vitamin D. So vitamin D supplementation is going to be crucial, and it's very important to make sure that those uh, levels are optimal. So again, check with your doctor. This is going to be important. And as we spend more time indoors and less sunshine, this is when the cold and flu season actually hits us the most. So A, we know that there's a correlation with vitamin D in the cold and the flus and even COVID-19 and being deficient. So, and especially the severity of how this disease sort of uh, attacks individuals. So that's number one. Number two, we always love gut health. We think that gut health, hence why we recommend eating healthy, less processed foods, more fruits and vegetables. And then, you know, having a good probiotic for flourishing the intestinal tract. You know, I had a patient in my office, uh, she was a young female, 14-year-old female, and she came into my office and she said, why is it important for me to to eat healthy? And I said to her, I said, well, because your immune system, and her mom brought her in, because, you know, going back to school, and I said, your immune system, where does it start? And, And she actually pinpointed, she goes, in my gut. And I said, yes, absolutely, because in our gut, we have key immune modulators that actually help. And and these, your immune system starts in your digestive tract. So if you feed it um, not so healthy food, you're going to flourish things like bad bacteria. And bad bacteria, your body is going to have to get rid of, and it can actually reduce your immune system to ward off this as opposed to helping you fight a common cold. And so I think that's the most important. And something simple like a good probiotic will help you. Our next question comes from Laura in Richmond Hill. She says, I'm a teacher going back to the classroom and I'm seeking advice from everyone around me. Now that sounds familiar. What should I remember in these next few weeks as school begins beyond hand washing and the wearing of masks? Dr. Mike, what do you want to say to Laura? Well, first off, Laura, I think the most important thing is to do what you mentioned, be, be, you know, 
uh, hand washing, wearing a mask is going to be instrumental here. But, you know, even for the teachers, I think it's important for them to also follow a wonderful diet to keep them healthy. I know my teachers who are in my practice, you know, we're, we're getting them healthy um, by, you know, talking to them about consuming less processed foods, getting good night's rest. Obviously, the immune system is going to be uh, leaning heavily on these individuals. It's going to be a big, big challenge uh, for sure, but there are major, um, you know, there's a lot of nutrients that we can discuss and, you know, we mentioned for the little ones as well, vitamin D, and I can't mention how important vitamin D is going to be um, for a lot of individuals, especially us going indoors and not having the sunlight. So vitamin D is going to be something really important for us to uh, continue to supplement with. Um, keeping the gut healthy is also a very important part. Um, and gut health is going to be important here. So, you know, just for my teachers and my patients and for all the teachers out there, um, you know, because it's important for children to go back to school. And without our teachers, we wouldn't be able to have our kids in school. So, of course, the teachers are really putting themselves out there and saying, you know what, let's do this. But there is a lot of risks involved with that. So what's important is there's a lot of prevention that has to get uh, taken and necessary steps in that sense. Because, you know, if we start eating healthy, sleeping right, and, you know, lowering things like the stress levels, you know, this will actually help combat this and actually better off the, the individual. So, you know, vitamin D supplementation, a good probiotic. But what I, like, what I like for my teacher patients is vitamin C. Simple vitamin C, ascorbic acid, it's very cheap, very affordable, and the data is showing really favorable, especially for cold and flu season uh, and especially for COVID-19 and prevention. So taking the optimal amounts and the optimal dosages are going to be clutch. Um, also, there's the elderberry. Elderberries, um, so as soon as you feel like a, there's a little bit of, you know, maybe there's a little sniffle coming around, I love elderberry. It's one of the only natural vitamins on the planet that actually has clinical studies to support its effectiveness against influenza. And so what they found is that they found that these um, inflammatory uh, storms, if you will, that actually come around with influenza and especially with COVID-19, this is really effective at, uh, at fighting this. So um, get your stocks in uh, elderberry now because I can promise you by the end of September, you won't be finding anywhere on the shelves because this is going to be a very hot commodity um, because I saw this in April and March. Uh, sorry, in the beginning of March and then April, they were just gone, and nobody had any 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 uh, any stocks of uh, of elderberry. So, besides the elderberry, the vitamin C, a good probiotic, and and vitamin D, and eating healthy and sleeping at night to alleviate some of the stress, those are going to be key factors that maybe, you know, some people aren't really thinking about. And so that's what we want to do, and that's what the whole point of this show is to make you think about things that maybe you otherwise aren't thinking to actually address some of the issues. So just going back to elderberry, does it come in pill or liquid form? Is it for adults and children? Yeah, so it's, uh, they have, yes, there is, there's studies on adults and children. There's different dosages for adults. You can follow the label on the bottle, and it's mostly in a syrup. It's in a liquid syrup. Um, you know, I'll mention the product. It's called Sambucol. This is the one that I use for my kids. Um, 
but there's there's many different brands out there of elderberry syrup, um, and most of it comes in a liquid. And you probably want the liquid because it's the actual serum, the syrup that comes from the plant extract. Uh, and these are highly. This is a highly bioavailable antioxidant, pretty much. It's uh, it's effective, and it's it's really easy to administer because it it tastes real sweet. And you could take it when you feel something coming on. Is that the point? Yeah, that's the point. I mean, when you feel something coming on, for sure. Um, but even to treat after, even if it's come on. Okay, Dr. Mike, we're going to try to squeeze in one more quick question. The next one comes from Nick in Maple. He says, we are considering a return to team sports. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, my thoughts are, you know, I think children need activity. I think children need to get back into school. They need to accentuate some learning. They need to really get back. You know, the older kids, they can handle the online things. I think it's important. But the younger kids, especially my kids who are younger as well, and for, the, for most moms and dads out there that have younger children, you know, they need that experience. They need that interaction. They need that teaching. They need that guidance. If we just stick them in front of a computer, I feel like we'll be, um, and then just letting them sit inside without having physical activity as well, I think we're going to be doing a huge disservice for our children. So getting back to sports is going to be very important, but doing it safely. Um, I like some of the things that are happening with hockey. You know, there's like four or five um, people uh, on the ice at once. Uh, It's very low numbers, um, so they're just taking it easy. And I think those kinds of sports where it, it doesn't involve, you know, taking off your gloves, and uh, I think it's going to be a little easier for those kinds of sports. Um, it's going to be a little challenging, of course, for soccer, um, but it's happening, and I know that. Um, so maybe the kids bring their own ball and they kick with their own ball, but really just, you know, you're not really supposed to touch a ball in soccer anyway with your hands unless you're the goalie, and there the goalie's wearing gloves. Um, so there's, there's a lot of protection, and we can't just stay indoors, and we can't just um, isolate. We can't really just isolate for continuous amounts of time. Of course, you know, if something happens and we have the second wave, we understand that we have to do this. But in the meantime, we need to still get out there. And I think it's important for our sanity. It's for the peace of mind of our children. And it actually just puts, gets them back out there. After the break, we take a trip to the local neighborhood pharmacy. This is Health is Wealth on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Mike? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059theregion or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. More with Dr. Mike and Health is Wealth when we come back. You're listening to 105.9 The Region and welcome back to Health is Wealth. I'm Tina Cortez and over to Dr. Mike with today's guest. Thank you, Tina. Joining us on Health is Wealth is Sandra Hanna. She is the pharmacist and CEO of the Neighborhood Pharmacy Association of Canada. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. So, uh, well, first of all, you know, um, tell us about your association and, you know, pretty much uh, what do you represent and, you know, the kind of work you do. Absolutely. So, uh, the Neighborhood Pharmacy Association of Canada represents Canada's leading pharmacy organizations. So, we represent pharmacies that... Um, represent a, a number of different forms of pharmacy. So we have chains, we have sort of larger box formats, we have independently owned pharmacies, uh, as well as uh, pharmacies that specialize in long-term care and specialty or 
sort of home home uh, delivery of services as well, like infusion clinics and, and nursing services. So a big big gamut of, of members and different types of pharmacies uh, that we represent. And Sandra, can we ask you where, you know, why are neighborhood pharmacies so essential, especially when you've got the big chains, the big box stores, they're so readily available. What makes that neighborhood pharmacy different? Yeah, so actually, you know, when we talk about neighborhood pharmacies, we really are talking about all those pharmacies. So those big chain pharmacies, grocery, mass merchandisers, but also the smaller independently owned pharmacies. So when we talk about neighborhood pharmacies, we really mean all community pharmacies. These are the pharmacies that are in, um, you know, uh, close to 11,000 communities across the country. Um, they are the most accessible um, healthcare providers uh, to Canadians. Uh, in fact, um, research uh, has actually found that, that Canadians see their local neighborhood pharmacists up to 10 times more frequently than any other healthcare providers. So it's often the first and most frequent contact that Canadians have with the healthcare system. Uh, so, so when we talk about neighborhood pharmacies, we're really talking about all community pharmacies, which are really across the country, 11,000 pharmacies uh, in Canada. Wow, that's a large. That's that's a large number. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan. Of course, um, there's uh, very seldom pharmacies I use, and of course, myself as being a naturopathic doctor, we use some small little local community pharmacies, and uh, specifically compounding pharmacies who compound specific um, hormone therapies. I'm sure you're familiar with some compounding pharmacies. Absolutely, yeah. And they're really great because they offer a bunch of different services, but I think the most important thing is you, you hit it pretty much right on. It's, you know, the patient's first point of contact is always going to be a pharmacist, you know, and I think they walk into their pharmacy, they're going to be regularly getting their scripts and their medication, and so that's when they'll ask the questions. Um, and so I guess single-handedly, you know, some of these pharmacies are definitely alleviating the strain on the healthcare system as well. Wouldn't you um, agree? Absolutely. I think, I think that's one of the biggest opportunities with pharmacies is that pharmacies are so conveniently located. They're often open longer uh, hours than other, other healthcare providers with the exception, obviously, of hospital emergency rooms. Um, they're in just about every community across the country. So, uh, you know, we, we believe that pharmacists can play a really, really important role and do play a really, really important role in um, alleviating strains not only on the public health system but also on the primary care system. Sandra, you're also a pharmacist. What have you noticed, especially now during this pandemic? Yeah, I, I am a pharmacist, actually, and I practice. Uh, I actually operate a pharmacy um, just, uh, in, in Guelph, Ontario. Um, so, so it's been a really interesting time for pharmacies. Um, we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of changes in terms of the safety measures that have to be put in place to ensure that um, the community and, and our patients feel safe coming into the pharmacy. We've also seen a lot of pharmacies, um, you know, implement a lot of a lot of services or expand their services, like delivery of prescriptions and of, of um, products directly to the homes of, of uh, their patients. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of new measures in terms of uh, just managing traffic around the pharmacy, ensuring that you know there's uh, sufficient PPE, personal protective equipment, and sanitization measures uh, in the pharmacy. So. It's been a really interesting time, but I think what, what was most notable and what 
really kind of highlighted, you know, what we've always been saying in terms of the capacity and that the, the strains that pharmacies can alleviate uh, in the system is that, um, you know, during this pandemic, we've seen the public health systems, the hospitals, all at capacity. A lot of the physicians' offices had to shut down due to the pandemic. The pharmacies really became the only healthcare, you know, provider that was accessible to Canadians. And a lot of Canadians turned to their pharmacists for a number of different, um, uh, number of different uh, services um, that maybe they didn't typically turn to their pharmacists to to receive, but. Um, that pharmacists have, have kind of always been providing and always been, you know, trained and equipped to provide, but, um, you know, they may not have been the top of mind for some of those services. So I think it's been really interesting to see how pharmacists have really stepped up during this uh, pandemic to sort of fill some of those gaps in the system and make sure that uh, Canadians have access to the care they needed. Wonderful. I mean, you mentioned Guelph. I, I have a a strong, um, of course, connection to Guelph. I, I spent uh, seven years in, in Guelph, Ontario. I went to University of Guelph as a graduate, and then I did, um, I definitely did a master's degree in nutritional science, which brought me to uh, naturopathic medicine. So I have a huge respect and, and honor for the Guelph community. Beautiful, beautiful place, actually, to practice. So you're quite, uh, I'm sure you're very, I feel very lucky to be there because they're great people. Um, one thing I want to talk about is definitely during this pandemic, I must admit, I think um, pharmacies were probably the saving grace for a lot of people. Um, thank God for most pharmacies because they were the, pretty much the only places that were uh, open. And, and you know, we always... Um, you know, talk about frontline workers and, and who these individuals are. And you have to, you know, take your hats off to the pharmacists because they were there front and center. And I know myself, you know, our office was shut down just like every other physician's clinic. But um, one thing I, I, I want to mention, and Tina, I just want to give you a little um, in, insight to this as well. So, you know, patients would come and, and need their prescriptions refilled, but the doctor's offices were closed. And so the doctors would obviously have to give the, So we, we as doctors would give the prescription to the patient or we fax them to the pharmacy and then the pharmacy would fill it. But during COVID, what happened uh, and what happened a lot is A, uh, the doctors weren't available. And then B, um, they would just go to the pharmacy and say, look, I need my medication. And so a pharmacist, a couple things would happen. So A, a pharmacist could actually... Um, you know, uh, notify and send uh, just, uh, it's, called, it's a nice little form that says, hey, listen, they'll fax it to us. We'll get the form to say, hey, can you just a refill form, say, let's, let's get it. And it was understandable. And then B, if they couldn't get a hold of doctors, some of my patients even just got the medication because um, it was necessary. And so um, yeah. did you want to talk to point on that, uh, Sandra? Sure, sure. I mean, so, so what you mentioned is actually some, something called prescribing or renewals of prescriptions. So pharmacists actually have the ability to do this already. We've, we've had the ability to do this for a number of years um, across the country and in, in all provinces. Um, but, um, but again, this is, this is one of those prime examples where, you know, people may not have turned to pharmacies immediately saying, can you renew this for me? It was more uh, looked at as, you know, can you contact my physician? So there's, there's both options are available. So it could be, can you contact my physician, sort this out in the back end for me so that I can have my prescriptions continued. The, the other option is, to your point, if the physician isn't available, um, you know, at the risk of having patients run out of their medications, pharmacists can and have been 
uh, renewing subscriptions, obviously in collaboration with the physician and, and ensuring that uh, you know everybody in the circle of care is aware of what's happening. Um, but pharmacists do have the ability to do that, and they have had the ability to do that. And, and that was one of those services that became really critical during uh, the pandemic because um, you know a lot of a lot of Canadians couldn't see their physician. Now we often turn to the local pharmacy, especially during flu season. Should our listeners continue to do that, especially with the potential of a second wave of COVID-19? Absolutely. Um, so I think, I think this year, more than ever, it's critical to uh, encourage Canadians to get the flu shot. So uh, in particular, as you mentioned, with the potential of a second wave of COVID-19 this year, coinciding with uh, the flu season, we really, really need to do everything that we can to protect ourselves from the flu, to protect our families, and then to protect those around us. So we are highly encouraging, and we encourage Canadians to get their flu shot every year, uh, but we really encourage uh, Canadians to get their flu shot this year. Um, and in terms, of, in terms of having pharmacies do it, again, you know, with 11,000 pharmacies across the country, not knowing sort of the strains and not knowing where um, other healthcare providers will be in the fall in terms of uh, their capacity, um, you know, assuming that there will be, um, you know, both uh, the flu season and the second wave of COVID coinciding during the fall, you know, we, we can anticipate that the healthcare system is going to be strained. And pharmacies are there. They're convenient. Uh, they're conveniently located in every community. They're open longer hours. So we highly encourage Canadians to get their flu shot at their neighborhood pharmacy. Um, last you know, in recent years, uh, community pharmacists provided over 3.2 million influenza vaccines, sort of on average every year. And of all the Canadians who are actually getting their flu shot, almost half of them are actually receiving it at their pharmacy today. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think we, we continue to encourage Canadians to, to A, get their flu shot, and B, um, you know, speak to their, their local neighborhood pharmacy about, um, about getting it there. And just remind us, typically, when will that flu shot be available this year? Typically in October is when, um, typically sort of mid-October, beginning to mid-October is when pharmacies start to receive the flu shot um, or when it's, when it's released. So, um, you know, I, I encourage Canadians to sort of look out for any um, messaging from their community pharmacy, check in with their community pharmacies uh, in October to see when they expect to receive flu vaccines. Um, and to uh, speak to their pharmacy about the process for vaccination. Great. Where can we learn some more about your association? Sure. So, so I think um, you know, folks can, can go to our website at neighborhoodpharmacies.ca. Um, the, other, the other piece in terms of the public health and in terms of what we can do to prepare, uh, you know, I, we encourage Canadians to, to get their flu shot, but another thing that we've been uh, you know, at neighborhood pharmacies advocating for is to make asymptomatic COVID testing available to Canadians through pharmacies. Um, so as you may have heard, um, Alberta is actually uh, offering this service to Albertans now uh, through pharmacies, and it's been really, really well received. Um, and uh, some of the other provinces are actually looking to do the same. Um, you know, just to clarify that this is for asymptomatic testing, so those who um, you know, have symptoms or have had known contact with a COVID positive case would still be, um, you know, directed to public health authorities and, and the, the typical testing centers. But pharmacies can help alleviate the strain to um, offer testing to 
um, asymptomatic uh, Canadians. So those, you know, those who might be looking to go see a loved one or, um, you know, teachers returning to school, um, you know, those, those folks who are asymptomatic but looking for some reassurances or, or just to, to test to ensure that, um, you know, they can comfortably and confidently, um, you know, go back to school or go see a loved one. Um, that's, that's something else that we've been advocating for because we think there's a real opportunity for pharmacies uh, and pharmacists to not only, again, support the system, the public health system, but also, um, you know, I think that's going to be a critical piece to uh, managing sort of the return to school and the return to work in the fall, especially with, uh, you know, with, with flu season coinciding with, with the next wave of COVID. That's great information. Sandra, one more time, where can our listeners get more information about the Neighbourhood Pharmacy Association of Canada? Yeah, you can, you can check our website at neighbourhoodpharmacies.ca. Um, that's, that's neighborhood with an O-U-R, Canadian spelling. Um, and, uh, and, and feel free to reach out to us through a contact form, um, and, and we'd be happy to engage. And Dr. Mike, if our listeners want to connect with you, how can they do that? Well, they can reach us at uh, www.applemedclinic.ca, or they can call us at 905-303-4622. They can check us out on Instagram at applemedclinic. That's great, and that's it for us. Previous episodes of Health is Wealth on 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Twitter at 1059theregion or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 1059 The Region.